0: Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Ryan Hansen, founder and CEO of Shortly. During an extended break from drinking, Ryan was disappointed with the lack of quality, non-alcoholic wine options available, Inspired to create a non-alcoholic drink that could pair great with food and good company, Ryan launched Shirley in late 2020. In this episode, we chat about Ryan's health and entrepreneurial journey that inspired him to launch the brand. We discuss the trend of non-alcoholic wine and how Shirley is doing things differently than its high-sugar counterparts, the health benefits of abstaining from alcohol, including improved sleep, mood, and energy, the challenges of building brand awareness and educating customers about non-alcoholic wine, tips to do your own dry January, and some of Ryan's favorite ways to feel his best. Keep listening to learn more. And if you want to try Shirley, you can use code PURELY15 for 15% off at com. That's D-R-I-N-K-S-U-R-E-L-Y.com. Enjoy. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation today and to share all that you're doing with our community.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So let's start at the beginning of your journey, your personal wellness journey, and really what inspired you to start, Shirley.
1: Yeah, I think for me, personal wellness journey, I feel like, you know, it was one of those things that I didn't really think about a lot. You kind of just go through life, you're young and healthy, I was active, played a bunch of sports, I just didn't, like it wasn't something I had to like, actually think about and feel like I needed to make specific decisions to get the output I wanted. And then I think, you know, you kind of get towards the end of college, you're starting to begin your career. And actually, one of the early inspirations was somebody I grew up with, uh, he was in the military. And I think I was home from college, it was maybe like junior year. And he was talking about, yeah, hey, everybody in the military is they're doing paleo, they're super into CrossFit. And like, these are just things I'd never Mm -hmm. heard of. I mean, this is back probably, for me, I guess, like 2010 timeline, just to give some perspective. And so, Uh, he was somebody that I really looked up to somebody that I'm still really close with today. And I think he gave me like a paleo solution, like Rob Wolf's book and was like, yeah, like this is what everybody's reading. This is what everybody's getting into. And so that was the first time like the light bulb came on in terms of like, oh, this stuff matters. Um, Especially as you get older, it matters more. And I think if you're also thinking about how do I like optimize my health to optimize my career or my life or my happiness, like all this stuff matters. And so kind of get, Getting introduced that way, and then I went like really hard into it. Like I went hardcore paleo, started to crossfit, and then you started to see the results, right? And then you're like, okay, I'm now seeing the cause and effect here, and it's having a really positive experience. And so, I think that was kind of my beginning of my journey into health and wellness. You know, at the time, I was in college. I ended up just taking uh, a job and as a finance major, worked at a bank. Kind of did like the classic corporate finance career to start, but I think. I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur at some point. I think I was never really big into like following the rules. And I think I just, you <laughs> know, I kind of saw myself in these corporate settings. I'm like, I just don't know this is going to be like a forever thing for me. I think it's a great <laughs> place to like learn foundational skills and like get mentors and learn on somebody else's dime to start for a little bit. But uh, I-, I think I always knew I wanted to get into kind of like the startup world, be an entrepreneur. And so Kind of that early part of my career, kind of that corporate finance part lasted uh, for, I think, like five, six years. Um, and then uh, I was actually living with that same friend who introduced me to Paleo and CrossFit in Dallas, kind of like in between trying to make a career move. And I connected with somebody who I co-founded Shirley with, Justin Mares, uh, who had previously founded Kettle and Fire Bone Broth. He had a company, Perfect Keto, at the time. And I just hit him up on AngelList. And uh, he responded directly back to me. I was like, hey, you're in Dallas. I'm in Austin. He had just moved there.
0: And what was your point of reaching out to him? Just
1: So I, I was trying to get hired at Perfect Keto. Okay. So I was, I was kind of in between careers. I was like, okay, I'm done with this corporate finance thing. You know, back with my friend who kind of started me on this personal health and wellness journey. We're sitting there like, hey, what's your next move? What are you going to do? Is it, you know, like you're here in Dallas, where do you want to live? And I was like, Austin seems like a cool place. I I visited him in Austin when he lived there once before. And so it's like, yeah, I'll check out some spots in Austin, uh, some job opportunities in Austin. Justin got back to me pretty quickly and, you know, kind of just serendipitously, I drove down there. Uh, We connected, we're the same age, had a lot in common. And it was just kind of one of those like right place, right time. I'd kind of known a little bit about paleo. Keto was kind of the next like big wave of this, like, how do you optimize your health trend? And Yeah, it just all kind of came together. I got hired there pretty quickly um, after that interview and then helped those guys scale that company for like two and a half years. I became the president uh, of Perfect Keto for like the last year. And so it was kind of like the whole team was reporting up to me. And I think that was the last thing I needed to check the box for myself in terms of like, hey, I'm ready to run a business on my own. I'm like, I'm basically like doing that right now. I think the founder challenge is definitely different and unique in its own way. Uh, but I felt ready for it. Um, and and Justin was a great partner in being like, yeah, you're ready for it. Like, I'm here to support you. Like, let's co-found something together. So that's kind of like the, I guess, short slash long version of how that wellness journey turned into to starting truly.
0: Love it. So you guys, he's giving you the courage or encouragement to start something together. What what was the idea initially? Was there a bunch of ideas or you knew you wanted to go into non-alcoholic wine?
1: yeah. We were definitely talking about a lot of different ideas, probably over the course of, you know, eight to 12 months. Uh, I think for us, I'm somebody who really cut back my drinking significantly. I took a full three years off, actually, and now I, I rarely drink. And so it was definitely part of that personal frustration.
0: What was the catalyst for you to take that three years off?
1: yeah, I think it it just wasn't serving me uh, anymore. And I think I'm also somebody who's just really sensitive to it. And so it, it's it's one of those things that as I was getting older. It's like, wow, I'm just like not even able to metabolize this in any way. And it, and it got to the point where it's like one drink and you feel like terrible the next day. And you're just like, this isn't like doing anything really positive for me. And so it just kind of got to a point where I was like, hey, I'm trying to like go big, think big, I want to start a company, I need to be the best version of myself, how do I objectively look at my routines, my health and wellness and, and eliminate things that aren't serving me and really focus on the things that are going to make me, you know, be able to be an entrepreneur, be able to start a company. But you know, I think there's the, the whole thing with drinking is obviously it's so connected to so much of our kind of social rituals that, you know, I'm new to a city in Austin, and we like, everybody's going out to young startup, it's like that great energy, the city's got that great energy. And so I'm going out and it's like, you know, I'm having Tobo Chico and it's like, can we do, can we do something better than that? Right. And so definitely, you know, part of our exploration in, into non-alcoholic wine was um, trying to solve that personal frustration and really provide options for those that are looking to drink less or not at all, but they want something sophisticated. They don't want a water or like a sugary soda um, or a non-alcoholic cocktail or mocktail or whatever.
0: Yeah. So. As we were starting to say, before we got recording, like I just I love what you're doing, and in particular, I had it last night, paired it with food, and for me, it's all about that taste. It's not that necessarily you want that buzz, but it, there's a delicious taste to wine, and you want that pairing with your food, and so you really came into a category that feels so under under tapped because. As you said, it's you got sugary mocktails on one side, you've got NA beer on the other side, but this big opportunity here. And so, for those who aren't really familiar with NA wines or what that category looks like, can you talk a little bit about what it is and like what you guys are doing differently than maybe the couple of brands that are in the category today or have historically been in the space?
1: For sure, yeah. I think you know this category has blown up in the last three years. This is our third year in in business. And we've all kind of grown up together. And it's just funny looking back, like, you know, we're still building the awareness. uh, But like, nobody knew about non-alcoholic wine three years ago. Um, And I think at that time, the products out there on the market were kind of legacy products that I think just weren't delivering quality and the taste that you mentioned to the customer that really like solved the problem for them of like, Oh, I love the taste of wine, but I want to drink less. I think that's like at a very high level who we're serving. And I think part of that was large wine companies didn't believe that there was a premium market for these products. And so I think they were kind of servicing this, I call it like, just check the box. We have a non-alcoholic wine, which meant a really cheap product. And I think like a lot of the products that have been disrupted in the health and wellness category, it's low quality product with a bunch of sugar. So it's like, just, we're going to lean into like sweet profile and there's sweet wine drinkers out there for sure. And maybe that was getting the job done for them. But I think, you know, there's, there's definitely a a wine drinker that wants that dry, complex, sophisticated profile, that crisp profile. Um, And there wasn't really anything out there like that. And so we kind of came in with an approach of you know, especially if you want, if if you're kind of making the healthy choice to not drink, you want to also feel like you're making the healthy choice to not have a bunch of sugar. Right. If you, yeah, and if, if sweet wine isn't your thing, we want to we want to deliver something to you that has that dryness, has that acidity, you know, has the tannin. If it's a red, all, all those characteristics that I think people love when they drink wine, and and they're missing when they're kind of looking at their alcohol consumption and be like, hey, I actually do want to cut back. Like, I think part of that reason, like the, the feedback loops on alcohol are, are so tight now with horror ring, uh, whoop, eight sleep. So people are like, Oh, shoot, I get it.
0: I see it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I see like it just, it, I got a reminder again this morning. And so, you know, I think we're, we've never been kind of anti-alcohol. We just want to be pro more choices for people. So, you know, I think back to your question of like, what are we doing differently? We wanted to start with, better quality product up front that didn't need a lot of sugar to kind of hide its faults. Uh, So that was a really big, important piece in terms of like the kind of wine that we're starting with. Then we go through this dealkalization process, which there are different ways to do it. We use a vacuum distillation process. Some people use reverse osmosis. That's I think more common in in non-alcoholic beers, but you're effectively separating the ethanol from the rest of the wine molecules and know, that, that ethanol comes out, you kind of have this dealkalized wine base. And I think what ethanol does to a wine is it, it's kind of the connector for all of those compounds that are a result of fermentation. Like, why do we, why do we love wine? Why is it different than grape juice? It's because it goes through fermentation. It creates all these different alcohols, esters, and different flavor compounds that create that like flavor of wine, that complexity of wine, that aroma of wine. And so, Without the ethanol, you kind of lose that connecting piece. And so it, it's lighter. So that's where our work comes in. That's kind of like the arc of Shirley is how do we creatively think about building back that taste profile, that structure, that aroma, that some of it does get lost in the dealkalization process. And yeah, you know, I mentioned before we jumped on here, uh, when we started Shirley, I think I was in Austin for, I live in Austin right now, but I was... Austin at the time and I think for two weeks I was trying to run Shirley like run up like basically build a wine company in Austin Texas and like Mm -hmm. productions are happening people are calling me they're like like I didn't come from wine I don't know anything about wine production at this point they're like asking me like hey what do you want us to do I'm like I have no idea I need to get out there uh to wine country and figure this out and I also need to make sure we like hire the right people to help us solve this and so I moved up to wine country we ended up hiring a winemaker in like a wine chemist. And so now we have a lab in Northern California, where those two are working every single day to kind of test out all these different natural ingredients that you traditionally wouldn't think about kind of complementing a wine with. But I think in a dealkylized wine world, dealkylized wine on its own, I think, lacks kind of what people want when they're having a wine alternative. And so we're playing around with teas we're playing around with other natural ingredients botanicals to kind of build back that profile that i mentioned and um, i think it's cool you know i think wine's interesting as a category because i think it has the most range of any beverage right like i mean the, the wine is endless yeah. it really is and so it gives us a lot of space to create and be innovative and try new things and i think i have really encouraged the team to say like there are no rules like we're creating this category like it's on us to kind of come up with the new way and the new approach. And so I think it's, you know, we're we're kind of trying to build the future of wine and think differently about it, but we're, we're trying to make sure we keep that natural ingredient focus, stay true to the wine um, and make sure that, you know, it's a transparent label in terms of what's in it, just so people know. And I think that's one of the, the things that, you know, people are frustrated with wine and like, you know, the TTB doesn't require you to have nutrition fact panel to really tell people what's inside of it. And so, I think the, the drinkers that are really into Shirley appreciate kind of the approach we're taking and the transparency.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely noticed that right away that it was like, so nice to see here's a nutrition panel, which is so hard to believe that most or not most that all alcohols don't have that. And, you know, I think it's super interesting what you said about the wide range of wine and taste, you know, as you think about all these categories that have been disrupted over the years, Thinking about plant based for example, you know there, you know there's the analog for milk, and this is supposed to taste away.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's not that much deviation. Where for you, I really love that there is this opportunity to expand and be innovative, and and really draw more people into the category.
1: Yeah, I think it's really exciting for us in beverage. The whole mantra of liquid to lips definitely rings true, and especially when you're introducing something new, like we try to make sure that we can get people to sample the product as much as possible do demos when we can you know we created like little uh, one can boxes that we can ship out to you to see if people are interested and
0: which it's so nice you don't need a signature on delivery <laughs>
1: well yeah that, that's a huge thing too a huge benefit of being a, a non-alcoholic wine brand is the regulation uh is completely different and yeah with alcohol you got to sign for delivery um that costs a lot more money too, as a company to like have that as part of your supply chain. So we're really fortunate that we are able to take advantage of, of some of that, um, in terms of delivering experience to a wine drinker that, you know, they're not always used to like getting a can shipped to their door like most wine companies can't do that.
0: Yeah. So for you, as you mentioned, you know, you had no experience in the wine industry. You certainly had experience at perfect keto and being in CPG, but what was that like for you initially launching? And are you someone who has always kind of stepped out of your comfort zone and been a risk taker?
1: I think I have always been somebody who's willing to take take a chance, take a risk. I think I tend to get bored easily. Uh, so, so I like to be really active, try new things. I like to solve a challenging problem. You know, I did have the CPG experience from Perfect Keto, but that was mostly a... Um, a digitally native business. So the big new things for for me with this with building surely has been you know building omni channel, getting into retail, that's been kind of a new uh thing that I've had to learn over the last couple of years and then I think the the other thing was you know there there's definitely the CPG infrastructure that helps you kind of get into to retail and there's the brokers and and there's kind of the the category views and everything. You know there's kind of like a process and a playbook and Justin's you know, Justin's a great resource on how that works with Kettle and Fire and the success he's had there. But wine is very different, um, and especially with non-alcoholic wine, like there was no infrastructure. So you would go to pitch uh, a retailer and you're like, "Hey, when's the non-alcoholic wine review?" They're like, what? Uh, "We don't. One, we don't have that. Nobody like is in charge of that." And so. You know, I think in the early days, things just moved really slow because you kind of just got passed around like, hey, who wants to talk to this guy who's trying to sell us non-alcoholic wine, <laughs> right? Like, does it go on the wine aisle? Does it go in beverage? Like, there was a lot of early conversations about, you know, where do you want it merchandised? Uh, how should we think about margin pricing? Like, there just wasn't a lot of data. And so we worked really hard over the last couple of years to work with different retail partners to build that story, work with them to have signage in store. so customers know what it is i think wine can be a really intimidating aisle for people uh like the amount of people you see just like walk into a wine aisle it's like walk out <laughs> like, I, I don't know i don't know what just happened like you know especially if you're in that discovery phase it's really competitive there's a lot of cool labels um there's a lot of different products like and so we've really tried to work with our partners to make sure that there is signage that we're not just kind of mixed in with you know the solving all, all the other all alcoholic solving on blancs because it's just it's difficult to stand out, especially as we're building a new category. So I think, like I said, three years ago, it was difficult to get that support. I think how much we've been able to build online and then success at some of our early retailers, we've been able to package that information. And I think, especially this year, retailers are like really invested in this category. They see where all the trends are going. I think it's clear that these trends are, are pretty permanent. If you just look at how much people are drinking less? How millennials are drinking less? Gen Zs even drinking uh, less than that. And you know, I think as as these generations mature into the future, I think we're just preparing. We got to prepare ourselves for a very different, you know, kind of wine aisle, beverage aisle, whatever you want to call it. Because you know, the I think the the retailer's job is to deliver what the customer wants. And I think this is clear that this is uh, high on everybody's list as they think about their consumption.
0: Yeah. Do you have any good stats as far as like where the market is today on Gen Z or millennial and, and what that kind of looks like?
1: Yeah, there's there's so much. I think the, the data is really overwhelming. It's kind of crazy as you dig into it. Like one is, I think what's always surprising to me is Gallup does a lot of this alcohol survey and they've been doing it for a really long time. And like 40% of the country just doesn't drink. Wow. Which is just that's great,
0: unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and there and there's all these reasons why it's it's you know health, it's it's religious, it's you know people drank earlier in, in their life and they don't drink now because they're having difficult metabolizing it, whatever the case may be. But that's a really big number. So you think about how underserved those people are just just as we started about people who don't drink, and then on top of that. 40% of people are indicating that they're drinking uh, less than they did five years ago. 64% of Gen Z says they planned, they plan to drink less as they get older. So that's where we talk about like, where is this going?
0: Yeah.
1: And so you just kind of stack all these things on top of each other. And you're like, wow, this is going to create these really massive new categories that are pretty nascent today or small. Uh, but I think it's really going to shift, um, you know, how, how retailers think about building their sets and, you know, how, uh, restaurants think about building their wine list or their cocktail list or whatever. And you know, I, I kind of think like at a very simple level, I'm like, if if you're a restaurant and 40% of people in here maybe don't drink, then like let's have the menu reflect that. Cause I think the menu right now totally. makes it seem like there's one person in here who doesn't drink. Right. <laughs> and maybe we'll have something for them. But I think there's a real opportunity. And you know, I think in the past I get it where it's like the the pushback is, well, show me the quality options because like, well, I don't want this you know sugary thing that I was talking to you about earlier. Like that doesn't fit with everything else on my menu or in my store or whatever. But I think now there's so many great quality options that I think people are really into. And the other thing for Shirley is 80% of our customers are our drinkers. And so it's really, I think the rise of non-alcoholic is is driven by what I'm calling the moderation movement and it's really just a lot of people looking to moderate their intake, drink less and it could be it could be for a week, it could be extended breaks for months or for a year, uh it could be forever, but i think it all kind of supports that data that i mentioned of like people are just drinking less and they're really into these new options that are hitting the market.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting and so exciting to see where the market's going and it's like you know, you have certainly this rise of health and wellness And it's sort of the last frontier of, hey, I do all these other things in my life that are healthy and great for me. And I'm so conscious for what I put on my skin and X, Y, and Z. And it's the alcohol that remains oftentimes that one last thing. So to be able to have that alternative is certainly where the market is going. And to be able to fill that need is huge. As you think about your customers and and we're, we will be launching this the very beginning of January. So dry January. What do you hear from your customers as far as what that journey looks like? Being sober curious and kind of taking off because it's not always easy for people to eliminate alcohol. So what tips can you share for those who are curious and wanting to cut out alcohol for the month of January or beyond?
1: For sure. I mean, I think come in open minded to be willing to try stuff. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that, you know, are are hesitant because there has been a lot of products that have hit the market and, you know, taste is subjective. And so I think, you know, there are ways that I think you can try a couple different things. A lot of cities have non-alcoholic bottle shops now. So I would encourage you to go there because I think the staff at those places is going to be able to kind of walk you through the different options, the different, you know, taste profiles. I think, marketplaces like Boisson. People have heard of that before. It's kind of a non-alcoholic marketplace and they have a lot of the top sellers and there's other kind of non-alcoholic marketplaces out there. So I think do do some Googling, go to your kind of non-alcoholic bottle shop. There's been a lot of publications, writing reviews, helping kind of educate the customer on like, Hey, this is what it tastes like. This is what it can kind of be an analog or, or alternative to. These are ones that are a little bit more unique and Um, So I think do a little bit of research, come in with an open mind. I think there's definitely companies out there like Shirley who try to make it easy to trial the product, whether it's, you know, a a single can promo or or stuff like that, So be on the lookout for those. So I think, yeah, open mind is one thing. And then I think the thing I always tell people, you know, at the beginning of dry January or, or whatever, to me, it's about reframing, really. So instead of focusing on what you're not doing, which is, consuming alcohol, like focus on what benefits you're trying to get from making the choice to not have alcohol for a month or whatever you're doing. And I think, you know, get really excited about those goals. So get excited about better sleep, get excited about activities you can do that don't involve drinking, whether that's being more active, you're, you know, you're reading a book now, or like, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I think that reframing is really uh, important. um, Because if you just get stuck in like, well, I missed that, then, like, that's not going to be a, a great experience. Um, and so, for me, it's like I get excited about the really consistent sleep, which I think is just a pillar to health, uh, and, and the mood stability, and I think the energy consistency. So, those are the the three things that I'm like. How can I use those three things to elevate myself somewhere else?
0: I love that. Any other top health benefits that people could? I mean, we all know alcohol is bad, but what are those top <laughs> health benefits for eliminating alcohol? in addition to sleep?
1: I think it's the sleep, it's the mood stability, and the consistent energy. And I think you you can do so much with those things. And I think you can start to get those benefits pretty quickly. And then I'll say that, you know, my experience is that I think for a lot of people, I totally get that there can be that kind of social challenge, especially if you don't have an alternative, right? I think surely we try to do a great job of being like, I mean, nobody would know if you're drinking non-alcoholic wine, if you just have a glass of non-alcoholic wine, know what it would be impossible to know that it's not a alcoholic right. wine. So you'd fit right in. Right. But I think if that is something that you're like struggling to get over, I think my advice is just kind of stick with it. And actually you get like, if you kind of make it through the first like couple situations, you realize that this isn't that big of a deal. And it's kind of like all those things in life. People don't really care. Like if you're, if you're hanging out with people who really care if you drink or not, you're just hanging out with the wrong people. Right. <laughs> so people don't really care if you're drinking or not and i think go for it get a non-alcoholic option that makes you feel better and i think that you'll start to access these benefits that are going to be the motivation to continue and then you'll just start to get more comfortable in those situations um and i think the great thing now too is even again from like three years ago like going out now like i feel like every like most places have have like NA options now uh would i like them to be more expansive and include like you know all these different products that are hitting the market sure but I mean, athletic brewing is like everywhere. Like That's a great, yeah. you know, that's a great beer. Like grab one of those, like uh, you'll fit right
0: in. Yeah. I'd love to touch on sleep for a moment because while well, we just kind of glazed over, like, yes, your sleep is better. But for some people that's who aren't sure, like we hear, okay, sleep isn't great with alcohol. I, hey, maybe I fall asleep with alcohol, but what really happens when you drink and your sleep and those benefits taking it out? And it's clear on the aura ring that you see it.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, if you do the, any of kind of the the wearables, that's going to be really immediate. I think that you're not going to get as deep into sleep. Um, I think another thing too is when we wake up in the morning, like our, our bodies are like getting more heated and like, that's causing us to wake up. And so when you're having alcohol, all that kind of digesting and metabolizing that alcohol, is like, you know, your body has to like, burn some energy and create some heat for that to happen. And so that's why you're not getting as deep into sleep. That's why you might wake up. Maybe you have to use the restroom. Like it's just incredibly disruptive to kind of setting the stage for a good night's sleep. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the data is kind of undeniable, right? Like it's, I always kind of joke. It's like (laughs) removing alcohol from your diet is like the most guaranteed diet ever, right? Like, yeah some people like, you know, paleo might work, keto might work, like vegan might work, plant, like whatever, all these things people try. And like, I think there'll be, you know, varying degrees of success. But I think I've never met anybody who's like, I stopped, I, I started to like not drink and I felt worse. Like it's never,
0: <laughs> it backfired. Yeah.
1: yeah it's like, nobody said that, right. So, you know, it's one of those things where, again, if you feel like, there's really good alternative options. If you're kind of missing that taste and then there's good options for you to fit in socially, you're really going to extract some benefits if that's what you're looking for.
0: Right. What are you seeing in year three of business that is your biggest challenge today?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for us is, you know, we we live, like I live in this world of non-alcoholic wine and you, know, you sometimes you just assume like, oh, everybody knows what yeah. surely is. Everybody knows that non-alcoholic wine is, but I think the reality is most people still don't. We're still very much building a brand and building awareness about who we are, who we're for, what we do, why, how we make it, um, how we're different, how you should not, you know, think we're like the old kind of sugar, sugar-laden sugar non-alcoholic wine of the past, why you should give us a chance, you know, why there's a the premium price point because of all this extra stuff we're doing from the process in terms of making the wine then de it then doing other work on the back end, it definitely adds cost. Um, it also adds co- cost to make sure we're having that quality product that delivers a quality experience. So I think it's a lot about continued education for us. Again, it's like liquid ellipse and, you know, I think that, and then just continue to work with the retail partners to, to build out, uh, these categories. I think, uh, Building a new company is challenging. Building a new category with retailers is challenging. And so uh, we just try to do a lot of work about um, not only raising awareness with the customers, but also the retailers because they're coming to brands being like, tell us about the customer. Tell us what velocities we should expect. Help us understand what goes into your production process. so We can think about what's a reasonable margin profile for this category. Um, So I'd say, yeah, a lot of education kind of across the board is, is still top of mind for me.
0: I'd love to get into some of your challenges, personally or professionally. What are you working on for yourself today in order to be your absolute best?
1: Yeah, for me, being present in the moment is something that I continue to push myself to be better at. Uh, I feel that. Yeah, you're always you know, my job as a CEO is to really push everybody like we gotta, gotta think ahead, we gotta have annual planning, we gotta have quarterly planning. And so I'm constantly in this mindset of de-risking the future basically and making sure we can grow for the future and try to always understand like what's going on over there. And I think sometimes you you miss the present of either the successes we're having as a team or you miss the present of like this is just what's going on in my house right now or this is what's going on like in my life because you're so focused on know, the business or the future of the business. Uh, So I've really been trying to push myself to build habits to recenter. I definitely try to meditate, either do headspace or breathwork with an app called Othership. Uh, So that's like a really good like recentering activity. Uh, My partner and I have started to do yoga again on Saturdays. And one of my like very simple life hacks is like, just have a list, things that make you happy every time you do them. And if you need like if you need a shortcut, like just go to that list and go do something on that list. And it could be the most simple thing, like i I watch this movie or I talk to this friend or I go to yoga or I meditate, or you know whatever your kind of hobbies are. That's just been one of those things where as simple as it sounds, like we come out of that class every Saturday morning, we're like, so happy, so happy mm-hmm. we did it. So happy we did it together. Body feels good, mobility feels good, all that stuff. That I think all helps kind of be. Just more present in the moment.
0: I love that. I I have the same list. It's like the things that make me feel my best list. Yeah. And it could be big or small, but it's a great thing if you're feeling off, just look at the list and do one of those things.
1: It's so simple. And I think it'll, it'll come out naturally if you just take the time to kind of sit down and do it.
0: Yeah. Any other rituals that you have in your day to feel your best? Are you meditating in the morning? Or are you doing it at night?
1: Yeah, so usually in the morning it, it's meditation. I think for sleep, I really try to stop eating by eight o'clock. I know I know a lot of people have that as one, just because we're kind of like getting into that nighttime routine.
0: Are you paleo or keto at this point? Uh, I'd say
1: more paleo than keto at this point. I think I, I do my kind of keto like sprints here and there, uh, but I think paleo is a little bit more flexible for what I desire. But yeah, so it's it's definitely you know, really considerate of what I'm eating, making sure that I'm cutting that off by eight o'clock. You know, I do yoga on Saturdays and try to do either weight training or rock climbing. Uh, So I belong to a gym here in Austin. That's kind of like a hybrid. There's weights and then rock climbing. And I think rock climbing for me is one of those things where if you really need to take your mind off something, you know, you kind of get up there and even though there's like pads and all that and it's all safe, like your mind just kind of shifts into survival mode. And so you're really stuck on some work thing or some personal thing that you're just like, is consuming you too much. Like go get up 20 feet in the air and like try to hold on. And you're not going to think about any of that stuff. Cause you're just like, I gotta, I gotta make it to this next hold and I got to get down safely. And it really just, it's a good physical activity that I think um, really takes a lot of concentration and focus. Uh, so I like to do that if I need to get out of my head a little bit.
0: I love that. That's such a great tip to have some sort of activity you do. That's like hands-free can't be on your phone. You can't, you just got to have focus somewhere totally different. For sure. I used to feel like that about swimming laps. Like there was no way you could get to your phone.
1: Yeah. I, I, I was swimming a bunch of laps, uh, in Calistoga uh, when I lived up there, uh, there was like a pool right down the street, walking distance. So that would be part of my morning routine when I was up there. Cause it was just like, again, total focus, gets the heart rate up, great way to start the day. You know, NorCal, super sunny, get some sunshine. Yeah, I love that one too.
0: How has it been for you? You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that it's different being founder, CEO than being president. How has that been for you?
1: Yeah. I- the big difference was coming into a company and then running something that's established like all the kind of pillars of the business are established the visions established you know, the business models established so you're trying to like optimize it run it to be the most efficient grow it etc um, and so you still need to do all those things when you found a company but there's all that foundational work up front and even like you know i think any anybody who starts a business knows that this is one of the hardest things it's like how are you validating product market fit? How are you finding the, that first batch of customers? Um, I mean, that's, that's a, like a, a really big challenge. And so I think having to, having to rethink a little bit differently and be almost like be more willing to take even more risk to kind of get some of those early customers or be willing to pivot even more quickly because you know the stakes are low early. So you kind of have to have the mentality of like, hey, that just didn't work. We got to scrap it. and We got to like try something else. Because ideally, you find, you figure all that out and then you start to scale the business. And so um, I think that was the big difference for me really early on is everybody's looking to you to say, Hey, help me understand what the vision is. What are the do's and don'ts? Like, how do we talk? What's our personality? What's our core target customer? What are our product commandments? All, all these things. And so that, that's super fun part of startup early days growing the business. It's a really exciting time, but it's a, it was a different set of challenges for me.
0: Yeah, totally. So what's next for you and the brand?
1: So for the brand, obviously Dry January is a big kind of moment for the category. It's a big moment for us. We're going to be celebrating with launching a new product. So I think by the time this will go live, it'll already be in market. It's a white wine blend we're going to, call, it's called Shirley Blanc and it's, I think it's super fun. It's a, it's a blend of reasoning and reverse demeanor. And so it's got like that sweetness with that acid kind of combination. Um, and it's one of the things that, you know, we worked on this for a while in the lab and, and played around with a bunch of different stuff. And we got really excited about it as a team. And then we always try to incorporate the customer into our process. And so we had a couple different versions uh, that we tested out in the market. Uh, we did like a little pop-up, testing test here in Austin. And there was kind of like one that I think like was a little bit more fun, I guess, that I was like hoping would win, but I was was allowing the (laughs) customer to really choose. And they they were like super into that one. So uh we're really excited to have that launch. Um and I think we've got a bunch of great sparkling products in in bottles and cans, but I think uh the big request from our customers has been still wine. Um and so uh we're excited about this white wine to to launch during dry January.
0: So exciting. Well, everyone has got to go out and try, and we're gonna move on to some rapid fire Q and A. Three things that you're currently loving.
1: Okay, I'm a sucker for midday squares. Uh, I know they're they're all over the internet. Our lead investor also invested in them, and so I actually got to meet some of their team earlier this year. We did like a founder summit thing, so. Obviously super cool story. Great kind of midday snacks when you're on the go kind of thing. It's another Austin based company. I'm giving you a couple products here. Force of nature. Um, I think like the I whole love them. yeah, the regenerative agriculture kind of being the future. And you know, there's all the information out there about like how do we move away from like commercial farming into this whole like regenerative future. And they do a great job of leading the charge and know some people that work there. So just super into them as a brand and always trying to uh, give them a shout out when I can. And then I've recently been listening to French house music. Uh, when I work, I'm not, i trying to think about how did this even start? I think I was at <laughs> the climbing gym and it was really early and like nobody was there, which is a really peaceful time to be there. And there was just that you, know, you hear something that just like catches your attention. Like most of the time, like music's going on everywhere that we're at and we're just like, Oh, whatever. That's just background noise. But like this just like stopped me in my tracks trying to figure out what it was. And I've just been listening to like French house music for the last couple of weeks as I work, which uh just something I've been into recently.
0: Fun. Love that. Have you been to force of nature to their farm yet?
1: I haven't been to their farm yet. My a good friend that I grew up with and then also worked with a perfect keto works there now. And, uh, so it's we've talked about it many a time. He doesn't live in Austin. So he's always like, hey, next time I come down, next time we go up there, uh, I'm going to take you out there. So it's on my list.
0: Yeah, I want to go. And they're coming on the podcast here shortly.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Favorite productivity hack?
1: So for me, I think deep work still reigns supreme in terms of getting the most done. I think that I've got to, for me to have that be really successful, i got to block the time off. And then I, I try to end my days with a list of things I'm trying to accomplish the next day. So that's a really big thing for me in terms of how do I feel successful at the end of this day? Okay, I wake up with, this is what I'm trying to get done. If I can knock these out, then I'm going to feel good about the day. And yeah, I, I think a, a, another challenge of being a CEO, like you know, I try to be really involved in a lot of the things we do. So I, I can get stuck on a lot of calls and meetings and and that kind of thing. So uh, I do have to carve out deep work to really feel like i'm I'm tackling the big stuff and, and thinking um, thinking deeply about like you know the future of the business or, or kind of the big challenges we're trying to solve.
0: Favorite words to live by uh,
1: So when I'm thinking about building a business, like in a really simple way, it's like give the people what they want. Uh, I think as a business, you can solve so many of your problems by just listening to your customer. I, I really believe that. And so that's one of the things I think I just try to try to pitch internally. And it's really simple, but I think like, don't be afraid to think big. I always tell that to the team as well. Like the harsh reality is like these startups, like 99% or whatever fail. So like, we just have to, we're already thinking crazy by doing this. So like, why not, why not just go for e- even higher? Like, why not be like, the biggest, the best, you know, whatever, whatever it is, we've kind of set up our goals, like, let, let's try to be, you know, top of the class. Um, so yeah, th- those are two things. I think like, I try to learn a lot by listening, I would say it's just a general kind of mantra I have to life.
0: Love it. A favorite book or podcast for growth?
1: I, I've listened, I've been listening a lot to, I mean, I listened to Peter Atiyah a lot. And then I've been kind of on the Andrew Huberman train. And They both can get technical at times, but I think they also do a great job of kind of making it digestible. And so, I mean, they're just covering so many topics. Uh, I don't listen to every single one, but I think there's definitely, and I think they're great interviewers too, uh, of just like kind of, you know, people even not necessarily like rooted in like the medicine or scientific health and wellness space. So yeah, those are two that if I'm just thinking about how to live a healthy life, those are people I'm tuning into.
0: Favorite business moment
1: for us, we knew that retail was going to be a big part of our long-term roadmap, and so when we got into Sprouts, that just felt like a, oh, we're like, like we're we're in a new territory of business. Like we're actually omnichannel now. We got to figure out this retail thing. It was a really big PO uh, for us at the time, and uh, it would kind of felt like validation. Like we're not just this, you know, small brand that you know, started online, Um, like we've got like the national retailer uh, interest. And uh, we knew that was going to be a really big uh, growth account for us in terms of uh, trying to turn on other retailers as well. So I definitely remember that moment. And it was like, I think there was an email like, wait, I need to confirm that. So like, (laughs) this is like, you're not going back like this is happening, right? (laughs) I I remember it being one of those moments. So that, that felt
0: really good. Love that. And lastly, what's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey?
1: It, it's it's sleep. If you don't prioritize sleep, I think everything else falls apart. Uh, I think you can you can like do everything else totally optimal. And if you're just not getting sleep, then like none of those things seem to matter. And so um, you know, you just gotta, you know, everybody says balance, right? And it's like you just gotta figure that out for yourself. Um, you got to figure out how to make sleep a priority, um but still enjoy, you know, uh, life and, and stay out late if you want to sometimes and like, you know, whatever, but I think making it, um, making it part of like a routine, like we talked about earlier is really important. I think, you know, small things do make a difference if they if you get the compounding effect. Um, and so a lot of these things may seem small, but if you kind of stack them on top of each other, like you could probably get transformational results.
0: Any tips for getting better sleep?
1: I mean, the thing I do is that I try to stop eating and snacking late at night. Um, obviously we talked about alcohol, uh, as yeah. well. So like, especially during the weekday, like have a non-alcoholic wine, um, on, on a Wednesday night instead of an alcoholic one. I think that'll definitely help your sleep, but yeah, a nighttime routine. I think a lot of people don't have a nighttime routine. And, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, beginning of the show, like, I didn't think about routines. I didn't think about like, I didn't think about any of these things. I needed to have somebody in my life kind of inspire me to say, oh, this is important. This is working for me. Here's here's a really good education source. And then you kind of like take it from there and, and craft your own path.
0: Love it. Ryan, thank you so much for being here. In closing, where can everybody find you and the brand?
1: Uh, you can find us uh, com at Drink Shirley on Instagram as well. Uh, we are in um, Sprouts. Uh, we are in Total Wine. We are in Central Markets here in Texas. And then I think the big news is, is we are launching in Target this month. Um, so
0: congratulations! Target
1: is doing a whole like a non-alcoholic um, NCAP program. And so there's, we're going to be in 1300 stores in January. So we're really excited for it.
0: Well, that's huge. Wishing you so much success. So nice to meet you. And thanks for being here. Great to meet you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.